0: shepherd who became the lamb for us. Mm. Thank you. Jesus bless these thoughts that we're about to hear tonight now. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I want to just continue this theme that we've been talking a little bit about, uh, the shepherd's heart. And I think uh, for you that were here the week before last, we talked about the shepherd moving at the speed of love.
1: Mm.
0: And anybody remember that? A couple words yeah how he the shepherd is so sensitive and aware uh, to minister to the sheep, to lead them to protect them, to nurture them, and um, he doesn't drive the sheep. he's very he's careful. He maybe even carries them uh, in times of need, you know and but tonight I want to kind of uh, share a little bit more about this thought about about this sh- like what we know of the shepherd's heart really It really determines like how we approach God Right how we approach God and I was thinking of a couple examples and one example was um, I was reminded of this illustration about a king You know when you think about a king right you think of authority you think of power you know he has his loyal subjects there in the kingdom You have kind of a serious environment. There he is on his throne. Pain of death if he doesn't like something. Or there's disobedience. There's like ultimate authority, right? And then think about the king's kid. The king's son, let's say. Who crashes through the door. And just runs up through all these people. And all this seriousness. And he jumps on the lap of his father. king and the king is excited to see his son right now can anybody just do that well no right but this was the king's son so therefore he had the privileges of his father he had the love of his father he had the uh, all of the rights of the uh, of the kingdom because of his dad right because of his dad So I was thinking this kid or this son approached his father, not as a king, but as a father, right? Mm -hmm. And everyone around them, they had their roles and they had their jobs and they had to kind of operate in that relationship based on what valued the king, right? So they couldn't just crash into the king's presence without being invited. Right. And uh, so I was just thinking, how do we approach God the way we approach God, the way we talk to God, the way we think about God, the way we consider the shepherd's heart is really revealed in how we approach him. Right. Like tonight, we are we are in a beautiful spirit of unity and we're two or more gathered. Christ is there. And therefore, our approach today is one of faith, hope and love. Right. So, I want to kind of show some interesting points about that. If you want to turn to Esther chapter 5, and I've been in Esther, it seems like a few months now, but think about Esther for a minute. Um, So, Esther was chosen, and her uncle Mordecai, remember he wouldn't bow, and he got in a lot of trouble for that, but in but in Ma- uh, Esther 3.2, he stood and defied the king and defied, really, Haman, right? And then he provoked Esther in 4.14 to stand and save her people from genocide, right? Now, there was a dilemma, though. There was a dilemma, and we see it here in chapter 5, or actually up to 5, where Esther could not approach the king unless she was summoned.
1: Because
0: what would happen if she wasn't asked to come? The king would kill her. Yeah. So Mordecai, and I love Mordecai, is a picture of Christ in this book. Uh, he says, "Go anyway. I want you to go anyway. I want you to go and plead for your for your people." So Esther seemingly was very nervous, right? Like all of us, eminent death. Um, And then I love what she says, right? If I perish, I perish. Like my life is no longer valuable to me. My people's lives are more valuable. And that's where she found her courage. But just a couple of verses here in Esther 5 that really struck me. So I want you to think today about the shepherd's heart. When you approach the shepherd, you're accepted you are valued, you are received. Just like that kid running, crashing through those big iron doors to go see his dad and interrupting everything. And his father is like receiving his son because of love. And this is how we are, right? (laughs) Uh, But Esther 5, let's read a couple verses here. So now it happened on the third day, verse 1, that Esther put on her royal robes. Now, spiritually this these words are so powerful and so full because we know that we are clothed with Jesus Christ and we are clothed in the robe of righteousness and she stood in the inner court of the king's palace now remember she was not asked or summoned or invited so this was this was this was uh, against all uh, all the rules we could say and across from the king's house. And while the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house, facing the entrance of the house. Okay, so he's in all his authority. He's in all of his privilege. He's in all of his... his um, he can easily just do just wave his finger, and that would be the end of her. But I love this verse. Look at this. It says, So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor or in one translation that I wrote she found approval she found approval Now, why is this valuable and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand and then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter so some people say oh, she was beautiful she all the all the external things we could say But really, the bottom line was, yes, that's true, but Esther was anointed and there in in the king of kings stead, right? And I think the king recognized it, but I want you to think about you being Esther tonight. Sorry, guys, if you can try to imagine that. (laughs) Well,
1: bride of Christ.
0: There you go, the bride of Christ, right? (laughs) So she took a step of faith not knowing if she'd be accepted, and a lot of Christians— they don't know the heart and nature of God, and therefore they don't know that they can boldly approach the, the throne of grace. And i imagine our lives if we were to think, okay, the shepherd is for me. The shepherd has approved us, has favored us, not because of anything that we could do, not because of anything that we are, but because of we are property of the king of kings, right? And immediately when God looks at you, who does he see? Does he see Joan? He does see Joan. But who does he see first? His son, son, Jesus Christ, right? Mm -hmm. And this is a positional truth or a principle that I find to be so valuable because we can delay in our approach. We can have excuses not to approach or we can be shameful and be nervous or timid or somehow um, fearful about approaching the God who loves us, the shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. And that's been the statement that's been in my mind for weeks. The shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now, I don't know about you. I mean, most of us are parents here, I'd imagine. But um, I love it when my son comes to me. I don't care in what condition or if he's done something, but I just love it that he comes, right? I just love it that he's, he just he just wants to talk to me, be with me, and uh, today uh, we went and bought a hammock, yeah, hammock, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we're setting up the hammock, and, and just, um, I don't know, it's just good to be with people that you love, and no matter what the atmosphere, you're just, you're just together. But my son was coming to me. He wanted to be near me. He had, uh, he had the assurance that um, it was a safe place. It was a place of grace. It was a place of approval. And this is how, this is how the shepherd is with us. He's like, just come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will be your rest. I will give you rest, but I ultimately am your rest, right? Take my yoke upon you. It is easy, right? My yoke is easy, and my burden is light, and you will find rest. So think about Esther for a minute. Think about us. In whatever condition that we're in, whatever, oh, excuse me, whatever condition that we're in, the devil will say, oh, you can't come. Oh, you're not invited, therefore you're not welcome. The devil will somehow project that there is a reason why you would not be accepted in the beloved as we know this in Ephesians 1:6 that praise to the glory of his grace that we are accepted in the beloved and this changes how we this is how this is this is how, it changes our approach right right come boldly and this is a verse we know but let's look at Ephesians 4:16 for a minute and uh, so how what you know of the father ultimately is how you will relate to the Father, right? What do I mean by that? It means if I think, like remember the men with the talents? Like I hid my talent because I thought my master was an austere man. So in the talents in Luke, he did not invest his talent because he was afraid in not knowing the the master's heart and what a what a what a tragedy uh, to have a misunderstanding of God's heart now what's interesting here in Hebrews four, if I'm interpreting God based on what's happening in my life, I may misunderstand God. It's quite possible like um Like I I still remember, Rob, your testimony from a few weeks ago, how you ministered to that lady that had that loss and you moved at the speed of love and you prayed for her. You listened to her and was quiet and just was really hearing her heart. And, And I love that. That really stuck with me. I've been thinking about it ever since you said it. And it's like she would not have understood the purpose and plan of God unless... She she understood the master or the shepherd's heart as the, as the big picture, that God was not trying to punish her, he was not trying to destroy her, but he was actually trying to show himself in a beautiful personal way. right I mean, how many things in our life have happened where we've misunderstood God? Like, okay, God, why did you do it that way? I would not have done it that way. Anybody ever said that to God? All of us, right? Like maybe the loss of a child or maybe a loss of a job or um, like we heard from was it Brian who lost his job and then all of a sudden he's on the he's on the the kitchen floor praying and then God is moved and then one door closed and another one opened that was better for him so it's like God's a little bit he's very mysterious (laughs) but I can can make God very small if I interpret him based on what he's doing so I want to interpret him based on the Bible and that is that's where the that's where the stretch comes in like what he's doing and what I'm reading can be very different so therefore we have to trust that the shepherd is he not only gave his life for his sheep but he has the best for his sheep so I think that's a constant lesson in our hearts but but this is why in 416 a verse we know but so powerful it says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain, and that may is not a good word, it says we will obtain. It's not like maybe if you're good or if you've done everything right, but in 416 it says you will obtain mercy, and then not only mercy that takes away what we deserve, but we'll find grace, we'll find something super abundantly good about God to help in time of need. Now. Imagine, imagine having the answer for someone's need and the person doesn't come to you. They just suffer quietly. They just kind of, they just kind of, they're embarrassed to maybe ask, right? Anybody ever been in that situation where you have a, you have a legitimate need and you're just maybe, you're just kind of embarrassed to ask, right? I mean, we know the life of George Mueller, right? Anybody know, everyone know who George Mueller is? Pastor Church, who's George Mueller?
1: He was a German pastor that uh, had orphanages in England, actually.
0: Yeah. Like
1: hundreds and thousands over the years, but he never asked for a dime to, for help. And God, God always brought it in the provisions every time at the last minute. But <laughs> He really did.
0: did. Yeah. yeah. Remember Pastor Jeff used to tell that story to George Mueller? yeah there was a day that they ran out of food yes because he wouldn't ask yes he went to the table and he prayed yes and there was no food for the orphans and he just prayed like God if you want us to eat then then you have to bring us food and the big bread truck pulled up Mm -hmm. with all this bread for the kids and just came in with all these loaves and like it was just like he asked, and then like he didn't ask for money, but he asked God, and like which is better, yeah. And God delivered, like, yeah, that was a miracle, yeah. It happened with an ice cream truck and a milk truck. <laughs> I mean, so asking the right person is everything, isn't it? Like, I may ask you for help and not get it, but if I ask God, the great, the chief shepherd, he will be. Wanting to give me his best, right? We know this verse in James that says, "Your father, being uh, good, will give you perfect gifts from above." Right? Comparatively to your earthly father, if you ask him for an egg, will he give you a stone? Right? Or if he asks you for a piece of bread, will he give you a scorpion? We we know that God wouldn't do that, right? All right. Let me let me just show you so. We come boldly. So when you think of that word boldly, it means without hesitation, it means aggressive. It might mean uh, in in an attitude of of like, uh, I mean, how many times have we approached God when there's been a need? Like, God, help me, right? Psalm 12, Lord, help me, right? And God loves that. He loves to hear from his people. He loves to hear from his people. The shepherd loves to hear. And In one John five fifteen, it says that he hears you every time. Not good. One John five fifteen, he hears you every time. Every time. Maybe I wasn't a good Christian today. God still hears you, and whatever that whatever what whatever that means, I'm not a good Christian. or I'm a great Christian. God not God doesn't balance and give you greater favor because of your performance. The shepherd gives his life for the sheep and he does that every time in John 10. All right, let me show you an interesting verse in Ephesians. Um, So, approach, right, approach. It's kind of a big word, we have access, right? We have access. We have the ability to come near. Now I don't know about you. It's been amazing to think that a holy God would receive us sinners. Isn't it? that's kind of like if you ever if you're ever having a bad day, just take a minute and just say thank you, God. <laughs> right? There's no reason why I have the right to approach, except that you that you made it, that you gave it, that you did it. Right? Romans five two says we have access to this grace in which we stand. And I'll look at that verse in a minute, but, all right, Ephesians 3, so 3.12. And this is the tragedy. A lot of people don't know that they can come to God and and find favor. They don't know. Like I had one guy joke with me, he he said, I'll never go to your church because if I walk in the door, I'll just be a pile of ash at at the door. I said, don't worry about it. We, got, we, have, yeah. we have a good cleaning crew. Just come anyway. <laughs> we I got said, a Hoover. <laughs> yeah. A Hoover, right. Hoover vacuum? No worries. worry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, look at... All right, 312. This is an interesting translation that I read today. Um, okay, it says this, Ephesians 312. It says, um, in whom we have boldness and access... With freedom through faith in him. That word confidence, which is a great word, but it also means freedom. So think about that young boy again. There's dad, the king, doing his business, serious, and his son breaks in and runs up and sits on the lap of his father in the throne. Now, I mean, imagine the gasps of the people. that are just the control freaks, right? Wanting to have everything just right. And, but but here's, here's the son, here's the king's kid with freedom to approach his dad at the right time, the wrong time, his time, or any time. And this is what's so valuable about the shepherd's heart, is when we know who Christ is, we know who we are in him. And that's maybe my tagline tonight, is like, when we know him, we know who we are. Yes. Because so many identity crises and and so many strange thoughts can come in. Like I talked to one brother going through a difficulty, he says, God's punishing me. And I said, Let's think about that statement. I said, I said, if if David said in Psalm 103, He does not deal with us according to our sin, then where do you get this idea that he's punishing you? And we kind of drilled down and spent some time on it. And then Ultimately, the end game was he had a misunderstanding of who God was. And I just said, you know what? Certainly the consequence of sin, absolutely. But the shepherd does not change the way he handles his sheep, right? Never. He never does. He might have to break the legs to keep them from wandering. He may have to carry them because they have their own spirit of uh, rebellion, right? Right. Uh, he may have to beat away the wolves, but he's always the chief shepherd right he's always the chief shepherd and um, but don't you love that verse? We have boldness boldness like we we can get on our knees in whatever time and just be like god I." I, I want to hunger and thirst after you like I've never hungered and thirst after you before. Lord, I want to, like Billy Sunday. Anybody remember Billy Sunday? Yeah. Amazing American evangelist back in the turn of the century. He prayed and barrooms closed down. And literally, crime was very minimal. Why? Because this man stormed heaven and he had boldness because he knew. Who his God was. And he knew who he was. And he says you know what. That is not right. And I'm going to pray and ask God to change it. How many of us do that. Well I want to do that more. I don't know about, about you. Like we have authority. Think about that little kid. The heir of the king right. He has. if well, He's young. Like a Josiah maybe. He is not exercising as a king. But he has all the rights and privileges of a king, doesn't he? Isn't that a good thing to remember? Like you have the rights and privileges of a king. All right, let me let me show you a couple more verses. First Peter, Pastor Sturge, was that First Peter two? Two. Look, look at this a second. This is so good. Um, so it's not a small thing we gather. And I really appreciate you coming. And I understand your schedules are what they are, but. I I just have a sense that as we gather, God will give you what you need uh, when you need it, and more than that, He He will add much more than what we need. Um, as we take back our country for the gospel, I don't, I'm so burdened for our country. Like it's, I mean, the just the incredible um, wow absurdities that we see on a daily basis. It's like. Makes me want to just preach and teach and minister more, doesn't it? It really does, right? <coughs> yep. All right. How are you doing? You guys okay for a few more minutes? Mm-hmm. All right. All right. First Peter chapter 2. 25? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hey, I got new glasses. I can see my Bible. Isn't that good? All right. My,
1: it's a little dark over that
0: side, but, but no, I can my my uh, my eye doctor was like, oh my gosh, your, your <laughs> eye, your my, you're blonde, you yeah. Say She's like, yeah. I had to get a full prescription <laughs> higher. Oh my God. All right, isn't that great? It's beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> All right, twenty four and twenty five. Yes, twenty five. For you were like sheep going astray. Isn't that just like God he said he he sees everything. it's like don't even try to con me. he says you're you are like this. So this is an important point. God's nature is not a reactive nature. It's not because we have done something, therefore he needs to come up with a solution. No, no, God is the solution. so it's like this principle God is love even before. I knew I needed to be loved. This is who God is. Mm. It's who he is. So he's the chief shepherd and he gives us the the access to him at all times knowing that we're going to need him. And by the way, that's another good point is that to the measure that we see our need for God, that is going to keep us being driven to God. Right? What did what did Abraham Lincoln said? He said during the Civil War he found himself uh, needing and being driven to his knee, knees to seek God because of the tremendous troubles that were going on. Look at this. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned. Isn't this good? I love this. You now have returned to the shepherd and overseer or bishop of your soul, mm-hmm. so we may wander, we may forget who we are, we may forget who God is, we may forget sometimes, or maybe redefine God, like the great revisionists of the twenties. They they revised all these things, and and the secular movement came in, and all of a sudden, terms that had biblical roots are now very liberal and very secular, right? But he is saying, you've returned, you remembered, you have had recall of who I am. And and this is a a very powerful uh, and very encouraging way uh, that, that we have in the Lord, is to not discover who we are, but to discover who he is, right? All right, let me show you one interesting verse. Ecclesiastes, look at this here. Don't, don't you love running around the Bible? I'm trying not to give you a million verses, but, but there's so much that we're going to talk about over these coming weeks because if we know who we are, it's less likely that we will be lied to. Right? If you know the truth, the truth sets you free. free. If I know who I am in Christ... And I know who Christ is in me, then if someone says something contrary, it's very obvious, right? How many how many times does the, the the lie of the devil that's closest to the truth it can be the most powerful lie? Like we can say, oh, God doesn't want to hear from you. You did this, this, and this, or you 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 have fallen from grace and therefore there's no more provision for you or there's no more forgiveness because you've really blown it or whatever contraption or concoction that we can muster up that will cause us to doubt God and God is saying that's not who I am the shepherd gives his life for the sheep the father loves to hear from his daughter the, the king is given all rights and privileges to, to, his, to his family all right isn't that good news? Is that good news? Amen. Is that good? Okay. Joan is saying "Amen" to that. Okay, awesome. Amen. All right. All right. Twelve eleven. Twelve eleven. Pastor Church, you want to read this? This verse. I want to really dig into it next week because this this I think has this has a huge teaching to it. But I want to introduce this verse.
1: Ecclesiastes. Yeah, Ecclesiastes twelve eleven. Uh, the words of the wise are like goads. You know what a goad is? Goat is what they stick their cattle with. The goad. The words of the wise are like goads and the words of it says here in New King James Scholars, but it means masters of the assemblies. The words of the masters of the assemblies are like well Driven nails given
0: by one shepherd. Okay. How many have read that verse before? I'm just curious. Okay. All right. This this is kind of one of those obscure verses that uh, when you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, I mean Solomon is just coming to these epiphanies after maybe wallowing in sin or just off the radar, off the rails But he makes some interesting statements here. The words of the wise are, they're like, they prod us. Like tonight, maybe you hear something that'll motivate you, that'll encourage you, that will strengthen you, right? The goads. Like if you're on a horse, anybody here ride a horse? Right? They're really powerful animals. And if you just move that leash or that lash or whatever... That thing is where springs. There it is. So you can tell I've not really. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Kristen's like, what?
1: It's the bit. Right? The it's bit. The there the it is. The bit. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> yeah,
0: okay. The
1: steering wheel.
0: The steering wheel. <laughs> <rail. laughs> that bridle gets me. I'm with Rob, the steering wheel. Okay. So the words of the wise, they can motivate us, right? But the words of the shepherd, they are well driven nails. And what's the difference there? A well-driven nail is something so hit deep that you can't get it out. It's so deep. And and this is what happens to us when the spirit and the shepherd speaks to us. They go deep into us and they are permanent with us, right? And for I don't know if any carpenters here, if you if you beat down a nail so deep, you almost have to destroy the piece of wood to get out that nail. Now, I have a house that's over a hundred years old, and they made this house for it to last a millennia, it seems like. But these nails are so deep into this very strong wood that it's nearly impossible without destroying the actual physical piece. And this is exactly the point, is that the one shepherd, Jesus Christ, When he speaks to you and I, they go so deep into us and they're so permanent and they they are absolutely um, part of us. And so I want to talk about that next time. But my point just to bring this up is like, wow, thank you, Lord. The words of truth, the words of life, we will always hear them. Uh, The words of conviction, right? There might be times I come to the Lord and it's like convicting, right? There'll be like prodding or the bit will be kind of like, you're going in the wrong direction, so we need to turn this around. And But the the, the shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The shepherd smells like the sheep, right? The shepherd moves at the speed of love because he loves the sheep. So we have so much to say on this, but the shepherd's heart... My only exhortation to us today is let's come quickly to the shepherd. Let's not delay. Let's come to him in whatever state because he loves to hear from his, his, his kids, right? And uh, don't overthink it, like how we do it, right? And then if we know who he is, we will know who we are and the lie will not be something that we that we embrace right but instead the truth will go deep into us like Christy said earlier the grace of God is deep in us that's why we cannot handle legalism right because legalism is death right his love is deep in us right his mercy is deep in us right his forgiveness is deep in us deep deep and if you look at the nails of the cross, it's very interesting. The nails of the cross, just by way of picture, they would hit, they're almost like railroad ties. They were like these thick nails. And they were driven so deep into the wood that they went all the way through. And the Romans had to hammer the other side of the nail so that the nails would not come out. It's like this is how, this is how ingrained... The shepherd is speaking to us words of life, words of peace, and words of grace. Um, I, in Isaiah 40, verse 1, I'm speaking peace to you today. I'm speaking grace to you today. And I'm shouting grace, grace to the mountain. And the mountain becomes a plain, right? I'm shouting I'm shouting uh, grace, grace to my family. I'm shouting grace, grace to my finances. I'm shouting grace, grace to my health, right? Amen. I could just keep going, but the shepherd's heart. Thank God his heart is a heart that doesn't change. Amen. So Father, thank you today. Lord, just teach us your heart. Uh, Just may we learn every day to come boldly to Not wait but to invite you into our lives daily knowing that um, we are accepted uh, we have access into this grace through faith in which we stand we stand in it Lord thank you God Lord um, just show us that in a personal way you know in a way maybe we've never seen that before Um, and then when we have access We have all the authority and privilege of a a king's kid, Lord. May that be exercised in our personal lives. May that be exercised in our family life, in our personal life. Thank you, Lord. And uh, just bless each one here today. Lord, may these thoughts go deep into us like those well-driven nails. May they go deep. And uh, may they take refuge. May they're sure... They're from a sure place. They're from a permanent place. They're from a a, a place of absolute. Thank you, God. We can trust you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen amen. 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 Any thoughts we can talk about here for a few minutes?